Hi, and welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am in conversation with David Leopold, the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. At one point, David was Al Hirschfeld's archivist, and as you will hear in our conversation, that often led to a little bit of confusion with the artist himself, but it's a position that afforded him an incredible amount of insight into Hirschfeld's process and to his works. David has taken those decades of experience and used them to edit the new book, The American Theater as Seen by Hirschfeld, 1962-2002. to The book, which I am looking at right now, has unbelievable pictures and sketches from throughout Hirschfeld's second half of his career. It is an absolutely must-have for any theater lover. It is a wonderful holiday gift for either a theater or art fan in your life. We will have a link to where you can purchase that from the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And coincidentally, also right now, as Ashley and I have actually mentioned on the show, the recently opened Museum of Broadway actually ends the tour with a somewhat interactive exhibit chronicling Al Hirschfeld's contributions to the American theater. Not only are there examples of his work from across the decades, there are also the actual sketchbooks that he would use while sitting in darkened theaters to quote unquote, take notes on what he was seeing so that he could finish his caricatures at home. And they actually have the barber's chair where he did a lot of his drawing. David talks about all of that and much, much more in our conversation. So without further ado, here is that conversation with the creative director of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, David Leopold. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I have in my possession, in my hands right now, uh, the American theater as seen by Hirschfeld, 1962 to 2002. I've also seen the exhibit at the Museum of Broadway. And I think the thing that going through this book that kind of struck me more that I understood intellectually in the past about Al Hirschfeld, but, but maybe hadn't contextualized until I'd seen it up on the walls of a museum proper, was not only did he kind of serve as a, a historian of Broadway in many ways, but he did so with art. And I think we understand that, but there, there's a duality to what he provided to this community. As you curate, whether it's a exhibit or a book, are those two things things that work in, in kind of separate lanes or are those part of the same story that you tell when looking at what Hirschfeld did, not only in his career, but for the community as a whole? Well, you know, Hirschfeld was sort of Instagram for Broadway before there was Instagram. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody looked at it when he was working. You know, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. Uh, the, for my need for knowing what was going on on Broadway was pretty low. I mean, I'm talking when I was a kid, 11 years old or something like that. But I knew everything that was going on on Broadway because I looked at the Hirschfeld drawings in the Sunday Times. And and whether I started looking at them because I was looking for Nina's or just was fascinated by the drawing, he gave us this sort of beacon that let everybody know what was happening. So it it it, it really created this sort of national community uh, for the theater before there really was the sort of social media era. You know, we all we all saw those drawings, and and uh, I I say that more people saw the drawings than saw the shows themselves. Yeah. You know, so yeah. his he not only recorded what was going on, he really helped define it because we looked at it through his eyes. Now, the difference with Hirschfeld is he loved the theater. 
you know, he he we call his work caricature because you have to call it something. But he didn't use caricature the way that most people use caricature. It's not it's not a put down. You're not laughing at the people in Hirschfeld's drawings. You're laughing with them. You know, his wit is not uh, is not a, a stinging or, you know, trying to catch somebody at doing something. His wit is is something that among friends, you know, hey, I saw this great show last night. You should really see it. It's really going to blow your mind type thing. I mean, he was sort of your best friend going to Broadway shows and telling you what was happening. And it's interesting you say that because when I was a child growing up in central Ohio, not too far from central Pennsylvania, uh, <laughs> the first show that I really fell in love with was My Fair Lady. And even though I, I'm not old enough to have seen the original cast, when I first started listening to that album, his iconic artwork was on that. I guess it probably was a CD at the time. Like sure. that to me, before I even knew who Al Hirschfeld was, probably before I even really knew who Lerner and Lowe were. I knew his artwork, and that has become such an indelible part of my connection to the theater, uh, dating back to even really before I knew I had one. And, and I, I think this book so elegantly kind of chronicles the, the different generations, not only in terms of what was happening on stage, but you see some shifts um, in, in his art. I mean, you can obviously look at them from 1962 and 2002 and say, yep, that's obviously a Hirschfeld. But there does seem to be some changes in in what he does over the years. Definitely. What? Yeah, go talk, talk about what some of those changes are. Uh, you know, Hirschfeld is really subverts the traditional arc of an artist's career. Usually an artist spends a significant amount of time sort of figuring out who they are and what they are. Then they have their peak moment and then there's the inevitable decline. Well, Hirschfeld, when he was 25, had audience in the millions. He was in three New York newspapers for his theater work, but his work for movie studios was being seen in theaters all across the country, you know, posters, uh, newspaper drawings, you know, drawings that were used in publications everywhere. And you would think that, okay, well, that's his peak. Well, the fact of the matter is he only gets more popular and he uh -huh. gets better. When when he was working on a drawing and he started a drawing and he felt that it's something that he had done before, he put it aside and started a new drawing because, you know, the downside of ubiquity is you can't keep doing the same drawing because you, you won't knows, get the yeah. assignments after that. Um, you know, you look at the the drawing on the cover of My Fair Lady and it seems like it was drawn yesterday or, or could have been drawn tomorrow. You know, it they're always sort of in the present. They when you look at the book, the drawings from the 60s don't look particularly period like, you know, this book feels like it, the drawings could have all been drawn at the same time. And it isn't because they're all the same. It's just because they're always fresh because. Hirschfeld lived in the present. You know, when he went to see shows, he didn't think, oh, yeah, I've seen Oklahoma before. And this isn't as good as 43 or 1980. He looked at it in completely in the context of what was happening in the theater today. And and, you know, he was an interesting guy, very well read, you know, had seen everybody, knew everybody. Yet when it came down to it, when he started drawing, it was a blank board and he it was a graphic problem that he created and he was going to solve. And he was as interested at the result as as any of us would be. 
And uh, so his drawings, I think, continue to resonate with people because they feel like they they're they're completely fresh. You know, there's and and what's interesting is we you know you're you know something of Broadway history. Uh, um, you can look at the drawings and think, oh, Carol Channing was great in that, or Zero Mostel was great in that, or I remember seeing this the original production of this Sondheim. Well, the drawings work on that level, but they also work for the person who has never seen any of the shows, kind of like we were in our our uh, homes away from New York. Um, When I first started looking at Herschel drawings, I didn't know who the people were. I was engaged by the drawings. And that's kind of how Hirschfeld saw it. He thought the recognition part was the easy part. He knew it was necessary. That's what editors wanted and that's what readers wanted. But he was trying to create a drawing that he said could stand on its own two feet, that could withstand any topical news value. So we look at these drawings now and it's like looking at the work of Toulouse-Lautrec. You know, we can see them for their historical implications, but younger audiences today, people under the age of 35, look at them like we look at Toulouse-Lautrec, you know, for its aesthetic value, not did he get it right? It's, wow, look at that drawing, look at the art of it. Um, so it's it's been fascinating to have a front row seat in how the perception of his work uh, has continued to evolve. And and that is something you talk about having a front row seat. You knew Hirschfeld very well and and worked with him for years before his passing. And you know were were able to be in his studio where he worked and and talk about the things that he was doing on a regular basis. We know so much about him as an artist, um, but what is something about him that you learned firsthand? that we wouldn't know about his process, about how he approached doing this job that while other people have done, you know, very similar things over the years and there are continue to be illustrators that do this type of work in theater, nobody has or probably ever will uh, rise to his stature uh, doing what he did. Yeah, there was no Hirschfeld before Hirschfeld and there's no, there's been no Hirschfeld since then. There are great artists out there uh, drawing the theater. Um, I would be remiss to not mention Squiggs. I mean, his work is, I think, as close as we get to Hirschfeld uh, in our times. Um, Ken Fallon's work um, in the Wall Street Journal and uh, Mm -hmm. until recently on um, uh, Broadway.com is also, um, these are two artists that really understood Hirschfeld and and learned from him without trying to copy him. Uh, But something I learned, you know, Al and I had this, we ended up with this vocabulary that he and I really, the two of us only shared, which were his drawings, you know, because while everybody knows the well-known drawings, if I said guys and dolls or my fair lady, many people would know those. But we often talked about the obscure drawings, you know, and he remembered everything that he had drawn. And I have a very good visual memory. So we could reference a 1936 drawing. And both of us knew what we were talking about. Or he could say, oh, I did something like this. Uh, 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 you know, where is it? And I would say, oh, look, I know that I, it's that drawing from 1952. And, you know, I would uh, he would joke a lot of times uh, uh, when people interviewed him, he would say, oh, you know, I've got an archivist now and he's put everything in order and I can't find anything. <laughs> um, but the fact is, I could say to him, 
third drawer, uh, second cabinet, and you'll find that piece and he could go and, and look for it. But one of the things I learned while I was working with him, he was always drawing when I was in the studio. I, I spent 13 years going to a studio at least once a week and sometimes two or three times. And we 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 went through a lot of life changes together. Um, and he always treated me as a peer, even though he was three times as old as I was, uh, almost four times as old as I was. Uh, but one day he, we're, we're in the studio, he's drawing, he finishes, and he asked me to come over and take a look at it, which is always a great thrill to see the Hirschfeld drawing right as it's done. And I come over and I uh, I look at it. He says, how many Ninas do you see? And I, I thought it was a gag. I said, what do you mean? How many Ninas do I see? He says, well, I found four and I'm pretty sure there's five. And if I get the number wrong, it's going to be a lot of mail. And I realized he didn't plan where he put the Ninas in his drawings. By the by, this point, they were coming out organically. And when he finished the drawing, he would have some sort of slight knowledge of where they were, but he'd have to look for them just like everybody else. And I thought that's that that's he favored spontaneity over everything you know when he drew in the theater he looked at the stage he wasn't looking at the page he had taught himself to draw in the dark he thought it was like typing you don't need to look at your hands when you type and uh so his sketchbooks would be filled with all kinds of information that he really wouldn't see until he got back to his studio to really start working on the drawing and he was trying to he would draw things that it, it, you know, reminded him of what it looked like. And then he would add words to tell him what it felt like. So, you know, his sketchbooks, and there are uh, uh, about five sketchbooks in the Museum of Broadway show from great shows, from Waiting for Godot to Angels in America. Um, and you get to see his first impressions, which are are fascinating. But, you know, it it he he favored the drawing, as he said, that was a combination of sight and hand with no conscious thought at the controls. And I guess before I really spent time with him and his work and, and talking to him, I would have thought, you know, you have to sort of compose these pictures. You really have to lay them all out. You have to have a clear picture in your mind of what's going to happen. And he didn't, he didn't work that way. You know, the drawings sort of came about organically and they and like I said, I think that's why they they remain fresh is because they were as much of a a, a revelation to him as anybody else. And I, I want to get to that uh, thought real quick, but I you mentioned something a couple of times that I want to make sure that listeners yeah. understand you. You talk about the the Nina's in his artwork and Nina is the name of his his daughter. But for people who don't know what it means to find the Ninas in his pieces. Oh, sure. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, real quickly. Uh, his uh, in nineteen in November nineteen forty five, his daughter had just been born, and uh, he was doing a drawing of a show, a musical that was called "Are You With It?" And if you've never heard of it, it's there's a good reason for that. And uh, the show took place in a circus, and on the in the back of the drawing, he showed a circus tent with all kinds of freak show posters on it. And one of them was a baby reading a book and he put Nina the Wonder Child. It was, as he described it, an infantile prank for his family and friends. He had had a child, he was a proud father, and he thought this was a way to, to let people know. And the next drawing he did two weeks later, he found another way to put Nina in it. And he did it for a couple of weeks. And then he thought the joke had run its course. And you know his interest was in hiding it to make it that you could find it, but it wasn't 
it wasn't easy to find, but it wasn't that hard to find either. And so he 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 learned to put it in a, up a sleeve of a, a, a dress or in someone's hair or um, the fringes of a curtain, you know, is a place that you might see uh, a Nina hidden. Um, well, he did it for a couple of weeks and he, he, he stopped doing it because he thought the joke had run its course. And he got a ton of mail from people who said, you know, spent all Sunday looking for the Nina. Where is it? And uh, he realized there was so much mail. It, he should keep on doing it um, because he didn't want to answer all the mail. And he did it for a, a little while longer, stopped. Same thing happened, except it was more mail. And he tried a number of times over the next 18 years uh, to, to to end it, because, again, who wants to tell a joke that's gone on too long? Um, but he said he learned the hard way to put her name in the drawing before he put his name in the drawing because nobody was looking for his name, <laughs> you know, uh, and then. He he was he hid Nina's in his drawings for 15 years until a reader of the New York Times wrote to the publisher and, you know, was saying these wonderful things about Hirschfeld's work, but said, listen, you know, sometimes I find three Nina's and my husband claims he finds four and we don't know which one uh, is right. Um, could uh, uh, you give us a hint of how many Nina's we should be looking for? Oh, and the publisher at the time thought that was a great idea. So he sent the note to Hirschfeld and said, this is great. You should figure out how to do it. And after that, Al started putting a number next to his name when there was more than one Nina. So if you see Hirschfeld's name and there's a three after it, that's telling you there are three Ninas in the drawings. Nope, there's never been a manual of how to look for Ninas or... Um, uh, that they're there. It is, I think, one of those, uh, the worst kept secret in in the theater um, and really in all of show business. Um, but it's also an initiation, right? When you learn how to do it, uh, it's like you've been led into this uh, secret world that's going on in the world of show business and, and particularly the theater. It's like the the theater art world da vinci code kind of uh kind yes. of deal um but i, I want to go back to what you were talking about how these these pieces are so fresh and they feel alive and there's a story in i think it must be it just in the the introduction or uh, to the book about he went home after seeing a show and i don't remember what the show was oh, but his his wife asked him what the show was about and he gets it completely wrong because he's not really paying attention to the plot he's paying attention to the movement and the visuals. Yeah. And that I think goes with what you were saying about him being able to write or not write, but to draw in the dark because it's about the movement. And that's why you look right. at things. And I think of like the, the chorus line uh, sketch where it, oh, yeah. it, you feel like it's mid dance step, not just because they're posed that way, but you feel like it could be animated. And at any moment they might finish the kick that they're in the middle of. <laughs> well, it, it, you're, you're right. Uh, you know, animators look at his work because Hirschfeld can do in one drawing what it takes them 24 frames to do. And he's looking for movement, but what he's really looking for is character. Um, he he preferred the, the description of characterist. He felt that he was doing character drawings. And whether it was an individual or a production, he was trying to capture the character of the production. And you know what's so fascinating about Hirschfeld's work is he shows you all this activity, yet he never reveals the plot. Because that's not, you know, like a good review shouldn't just regurgitate what the story 
stories about. It should sort of uh, illuminate, uh, you know, the ideas of the show. And and Hirschfeld was very similar to that. He was showing you what the show felt like, but you never needed a spoiler alert when you were looking at a Hirschfeld drawing. You know, he's not going to reveal anything that you shouldn't know before you go to the show. And, and that's another thing that I think is important to understand. His drawings did not appear for shows when they were certified hits or certified flops. His drawings almost always appeared uh, the Sunday before a show opened. Or if they were on a show poster, uh, um, you know, before the show was even on stage. You know, My Fair Lady, uh, you brought it up. You know, he spent one night, he spent, uh, he stayed up till four in the morning trying to convince Moss Hart that who directed the original production of My Fair Lady, that you could not improve Pygmalion with just songs and dances and that it was folly to try and he probably should not do it. And thankfully, Moss Hart did not listen to Hirschfeld. And when the producers were getting ready to, you know, they had to come up with a, a, a an image to promote the show. Um, of course, they went to Hirschfeld. He had been he drew more Broadway posters than any other artist. Uh, and. And of course, just his work told you right away that, you know, it was almost like a seal of uh, of quality. Oh, it's, it's got a Hirschfeld on it. It can't be that bad. You know, that type of thing. And he ends up creating this iconic image uh, like you. Uh, I mean, you saw that image. I refer to My Fair Lady, his drawing for My Fair Lady, as a gateway drawing because it is not uncommon for someone to see that drawing first and say, oh, I want to see more by this guy, you know, and uh, there's a number of gateway drawings throughout Herschel's career, but that is one of them. Yeah. And, and it's it, that's interesting knowing that story with Moss Hart that you can't Im improve upon Shaw's Pygmalion. So when he goes to draw the 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 artwork for My Fair Lady, he finds a way to get Shaw in there as well, which is oh, of course, uh, which yeah. is wonderful. Um, well, let's talk about the exhibit at the Museum of Broadway. You mentioned the fact that it has not only uh, multiple walls of his work, but also has. Uh, his sketchbooks that he took into the theaters that he would draw in also has his yeah. chair where he did most of the drawings themselves. Um, as you were going through so many of the materials from his career, what were you looking for to help tell the story of who he was as an artist? Well, knowing that the venue that we were going to be in, and of course I worked on this show it was unusual for me. Uh, I do a lot of museum work for Hirschfeld and other artists. Uh, I've never worked on a show for a museum that didn't exist yet. Um, you know, so this was a yeah. new experience uh, all the way around. Um, but we had been talking to the founders of the Museum of Broadway for several years before this. We had a real uh, great insight into what they were doing. And of course, we did that because you can't tell the history of Broadway without uh, uh, including Hirschfeld, because he's he's really such an important part of it. There, it's not chance that there is a uh, Broadway theater name for him. You know, for seventy six years, his drawings were as much a part of the Broadway experience as opening night was. Uh, so when I started trying to decide what was going to be in the show, um, I took at it. I looked at it and said, "Well, I know the book only covers the second forty years of his career." But we really need to tell the full story here. I wanted to show a work from every decade of his career, because while I knew nobody was coming in and said, gosh, you got Patsy Kelly here. I'm so thrilled. But I wanted to show 
the development of this artist and and sort of touch on some of those figures like Ethel Merman or Mary Martin, um, Celeste Holm, you know, Jimmy Durante, those, you know, early figures that played such a really, really important role in creating the Broadway that we uh, that we go to today. Um, so that was one uh, aspect of it. Um, I didn't want to repeat any of the uh, images that it were that are scattered throughout the whole uh, museum. There are Hirschfelds on every floor and many installations throughout the museum, again, because they were integral to yeah. the experience. Uh, and there are also drawings of Stephen Sondheim and Rogers and Hammerstein and Andrew Lloyd Webber, because he not only drew the people on stage, he drew the people behind the curtain and uh, uh, people that were essentially his friends because, you know, he was a Broadway first nighter for three quarters of a century. I mean, like I said, nobody saw more Broadway shows uh, than Al Hirschfeld. Um, so I, I, I went in there. Sometimes Hirschfeld would often say this, know your limitations. You know, I knew that the size of the space, we were going to only have so many. And I took 20 drawings off the table uh, because they were already in the museum. So th that helps to clarify. And then I started looking. We were very, very fortunate that just before, uh, right as we were sort of selecting all the pieces, um, the original drawing of the original production of The King and I was found. Oh, wow. Um, uh, a, a fellow from Salem, Oregon, contacted us and saying that he had the original. We get these kind of calls all the time, and almost always they're wrong. So, of course, I viewed this with skepticism, and I said, well, you know, send me a photo. And he did, and it was quite obvious that it was the real thing. And so I knew that we were not, to, it would be too good of an opportunity uh to if, if we miss this we would be missing a big opportunity so he was very kind and he sent the drawing and we have it in the exhibition um and you, in the label on the exhibition we talk about Hirschfeld's contribution to King and I because believe it or not he played a role in its choreography um I was also thinking about the shows that were currently on Broadway so there's Barbara Streisand and Funny Girl um there is a drawing of uh, uh there's a, a print a lithograph of uh, a scene from phantom of the opera you know both that were done when those shows were originally on broadway and and of course phantom is still in there um and then we also i wanted to have both cast drawings and individual portraits um we were very very fortunate we we've recently done a set of uh, very small edition prints um, with Broadway cares that are not signed by Hirschfeld, but are, that are uh, signed by the performers. And when we started this project in 2020, I said, you know, what well, the white whale here is Stephen Sondheim. Um, I knew that Sondheim uh, was a great fan of Hirschfeld's and was a collector, had many drawings in his homes. And in fact, the last interview that he did, the picture in the interview shows him seated in front of a Hirschfeld of putting it together. Um, so one of these uh, new prints, we did approach uh, Sondheim, and he was very kind. Although most of the editions are of 15 prints, he would only sign four. And he got to keep one because that was the, the you know, he wanted to help out Broadway Cares. He wanted to help out the Al Hirschfeld Foundation, but he wanted that piece. It was a 1999 portrait of Sondheim, and he loved it. 
And so we have the uh, one of the prints from that in the show signed by signed by Sondheim because I just felt it was that was too important. And especially right now to you, you've got to have that piece in there. There's also a piece of Sunday in the Park with George um, Hairspray, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, there's a wonderful drawing of Meryl Streep in one of her early ro roles on Broadway. Um, the thing that I think is most appropriate for the museum and is unlike anything we've ever done before is we created this app called Hirschfeld Yourself. Um, you know, Hirschfeld drew thousands of people, but maybe you weren't one of them and you always wanted a Hirschfeld drawing. Uh, and of course, that can't happen now to have Hirschfeld draw it. But we created uh, in this app essentially palettes of eyes, nose, mouths, and hair uh, that Hirschfeld drew. And you can create your own portrait, uh, Hirschfeld portrait, using these uh, pieces. And you can send it to yourself. Um, you can share it on social media. And so because we wanted to continue the tradition. You know, there's 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 great performers out there who are going to come into uh, the museum and they're going to be able to leave with their own Hirschfeld. So how, what better thing could you do for them? That's amazing. And uh, I did not do that, uh, but I uh, now I wish that I did. I'm going to have to go back and uh, and try that. <laughs> go <But> back. <laughs> yeah. One thing I did do, though, is I did get my own Hirschfeld because there are. Um, things that you can take. There were three, and I don't know if these rotate, but I got the, the I don't know that these would be called prints or whatever of-, of No, they're, they're coloring pages, believe it or not. Coloring pages. Okay, I'm not coloring them. I'm gonna leave them black and white, but um, <laughs> of Hello Dolly, Sunset Boulevard, and Waiting for Godot, are those uh, are those the three that are gonna be there for the entire run, or you, uh, do they switch well, out? We I think they're gonna switch it out. We approved, I think, eight different images. You know, again, they asked me, they said, well, we, you know, we, they, it's an interactive uh, institution. You know, it's much more experiential than a traditional museum. In fact, museum might even be the wrong word for it. It's really an experience. Uh, and I encourage everybody to go. Uh, but they, they felt that uh, uh, people love coloring and they, they, they contacted me and they said, well, what images would be good for that? And you know, there's some images by Hirschfeld that are just, it seems like a single line where the white of the board is doing all the work. You can't really color those because what's what's there is the thing that's not there. So I chose works that were a little bit more conventional that had spaces that you could color and that were also iconic Hirschfeld drawings because certainly those pieces are iconic in his work. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I've got uh, the Sunset Boulevard and Carol Channing one uh, in Hello Dolly here at my desk, and uh, the Hirsch, the uh, the Hello Dolly has a two next to Hirschfeld, and Sunset has five. So I guess I've got my task at hand to find the you. Ninas. Yeah, especially on the Sunset one, finding five Ninas. But um, well, David, I I will will wrap up uh, the conversation here and let you go. But we, to, as we kind of go here. As you said, Hirschfeld, even years after his his passing, is still a huge part of the theater community, not only with having a theater named after him, but continuing to be seen all over artwork and and, and posters and album covers for decades and for here to eternity, thankfully. Over. But as you 
have this exhibit where people can go in and, and see these things up close and interact with them. What is it that you hope that audiences, whether they know uh, who Al Hirschfeld was or they don't, are able to take away not only from the exhibit at the Museum of Broadway, but also for this book, which is thankfully uh, for sale in the gift shop uh, as as well at the museum? It's also available um, at our website. And mm -hmm. I, I want to just uh, let people know about that, alhirschfeldfoundation.org, because there you can look up everything Hirschfeld ever drew. And you might say, well, what did he draw? Well, put in a performer's name, put in a production, put in a, a date, put in a, a publication, you know, and you can find out all these drawings that he did. And it surprises us still when you put in a name and all of a sudden 15 drawings come back because his he had an 82 year career, not an 82 year life, an 82 year active career. He was drawing up until the day before he died. Um, and what I guess um, the point of the exhibition is here's one man's view of of Broadway and, and really the American theater um, that still seems alive and uh, relevant in today's world. You know, it's not really a museum. You know, you're 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 you are looking at things from the past, but it doesn't feel like you you had to go through a bunch of cobwebs or you know clear off the dust to find it. It seems very uh, alive and present as it is. Um, it's also celebrating that the theater was lucky enough to have this wonderful court artist because uh, it was a it, his career coincided with the uh the period of mass media particularly print publications um that his work could appear everywhere you know uh in, in his day when it a drawing appeared in the new york times a lot of people read the new york times and they all looked at all the sections so uh, again the theater was getting this publicity even when it wasn't conscious of it nobody was paying for it it was part of what we knew what was going on and i think that is it, it it created this community it it sort of linked us all up because i see whenever we have displays of hirschfeld's work how people respond to the work and they talk about oh you know i i love to count nina's and you know that's because that's the entry point for so many people um but then they were like oh i love this performance we did uh in connection with the book uh um one of the th a mission of the al hirschfeld foundation is to, to support uh performing arts organizations and visual arts organizations so we created a, a one-man show with me telling stories i'm on stage with a big screen uh we tried it out at the bucks county playhouse in september um and our goal is to raise money for theaters but also to bring audiences back because we are going through a very interesting period right now where people are not as scared as about COVID going to the theater, their habits have changed, you know, and we've got to get them back into theater so they remember what it's like to see a live theater experience. And we did this with the Playhouse and uh, they only sent out an email three weeks before it happened and the show com almost completely sold out, the uh, 400 seat theater biggest audience they had all season and what was so wonderful afterwards we had a pop-up gallery where we gave half the money to um the theater that we that of anything that was sold and what was so great afterwards was you had all these people milling around sharing stories about whether it was a favorite Hirschfeld drawing 
but really it was about the theater. It was all these theater people getting to be in this community that we're all part of, but you know, these days it's it's done so remotely that sometimes we forget it. It's only when we get into the theater that we see our people. And uh, so it was so great to see people from all generations sort of interacting. They they all shared this love of of Hirschfeld and they it, it, it was it was exactly what the Al Hirschfeld Foundation is about. We were able to support the theater, not just in money, because that's wonderful to have. But money doesn't put, you know, is not going to clap at the end of the performance. Uh, and here we brought back an audience. And I know that there were people there that are like, oh, they're doing a Vita next. Uh, I want to go see that. Or they're doing million dollar quartet Christmas. I want to see that. So all of a sudden they're buying tickets to shows. And that's what we want to do. We want to encourage people to go to the theater. We want to encourage people to go to galleries and, and museums and artist studios and see the work. Um, we don't think Al Hirschfeld is the last word in anything. He is just, he he was part of the world that he, that he was in and his work continues to resonate, but there are many wonderful artists and a lot of great theater that's happening, not just on Broadway, but all around the country. Absolutely. Well, what a wonderful message. What a wonderful career. And I am so glad that people have the opportunity to experience all of that, both at the exhibit at the Museum of Broadway and in the new book. And of course, we'll have information in the show notes about where people can uh, get both the book and tickets to see the exhibit at the museum. Sure. So, David, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to do this. It was uh, wonderful hearing all of these insights and uh, congratulations on all the success. And uh, hopefully you. we'll see uh, even more of that that show on stage and hopefully more people will be uh, heading to theaters in the new year as well. Well, we're we're going we start our theater run uh, in the spring. We're starting in Rochester, where I'll be appearing with a 28 piece orchestra oh, wow. and singers. So uh, look, you know, if you go to the website and sign up for news, we don't send out too many emails. But when things are happening, that's the way to find out about them. Unbelievable. That's amazing. Well, I will be signing up. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful uh, holidays coming up. And uh, I guess uh, you're not singing in this show. Are you have to get your you know vocal I, uh, work in? It costs more to have me not sing. You know, <laughs> you don't. I guarantee there's a lot of things you want me to do. You do not want me to sing. <laughs> noted. Very noted. Well, thanks so much. Okay. Thank you for having me. 